Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Southside Rabbi. It is your boy, I mean the dream. I am here with K to the second letter, not hey. a second better. Hey. Hey. And today, oh, we have a wonderful one for you today. Ooh, Hold on, I gotta get up. Hey, brother. I gotta hey. get up. Today was so special, I took out my fake Timberlands. Oh, my God. Look, KB has Timberlands, and they're not even real. There's a level of confidence you have to have to, to step wear, foot in these. To uh, wear uh, uh, a fraudulent boot. And I got basketball shorts on with these Tims. The type of confidence that you have to wear a fraudulent construction boot. <laughs> That's how good this episode's going to be. Yeah, you bought the... That I am covered. Right. In confidence. In confidence. You feel me? Yes. Yes. For today, man, listen... We are bringing to you guys a brother, first of all, who has been an encouragement to me over the over the last few years, man. We've got to know each other via Twitter, social media, um, and this brother has encouraged me. I've learned a lot from him, and he, I, I'm going to keep saying he's encouraged me because he has shown me that even in this, this discussion that we've been having about race, that there are... Uh, white brothers and sisters who get it, who understand it, and who are allies yes. and love Jesus. They're serious about the gospel, but they're also serious about dignity yes. and justice yes. um, and equality. Yes. Um, and they're not just, just not just dwindling or reducing the gospel down to just your soul being saved, even though that is tantamount to the hey, gospel. Hey, 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 hey. hey, hey. Can't, can't forget that. Come on now. Um, but that Jesus also cares about people. That's right. Right? That's right. Um, so the listen, this guy that we have for you today, I yes. don't even know. I don't even know if there's words to try to explain who this man is, bro. Yes, there's a profundity there. First of all, this man is is so prolific. He's, He's like the Tupac of Digital Ink. That's what they say. I, 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 just, I just say, you know when Tupac died, he had like hundreds of more songs coming out. You were like, how? Is he continuing? Well, is he alive? Yes. Like I, He has like the Machiavelli album came out and all yes. these. He just, He's just the, the amount of work <laughs> that this man has done with his life. Yes. Uh, uh, is, is amazing, but so that's uh, this man right here. That's this man right here yes, when it yes. comes to digital ink. Work on critical theory, right? Not just I'm telling. Work on critical theory. Work on critical race theory. Yes, right. Yes, and listen. This man might as well also man, writes about theology as well. Writes great stuff about uh -huh. theology. Yes, and this indeed. man might as well be a scholar himself. Yes, you feel me? You feel <laughs> Even me? Even though I know he's not claiming expertise, we look at this man but as very know. knowledgeable, it's and we humility. know what it is. Facts. It's the it's the humility. I am talking to you guys about. Bradley Mason, Make ladies some and noise. gentlemen. The infamous, according to some, mm. the awesome, according to others. That's right, that's right, that's right. You know right. what I'm saying? Yes. But listen, we, we got Bradley Mason on the show, man. Welcome to the show, Welcome brother. Welcome to the show, man. Y'all make noise, that's my boy. Good. How are Thanks you doing, first me. of all? I'm doing well. It's Saturday. I'm not working. <laughs> that's what I, I generally do. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. How are um, y'all? We're good, good, man. We're good. KB's working today's construction boots on. Yes. <laughs> Hey, listen, the confidence that I had was part of it. The other half is we came to work today, baby. That's true. That's right. We came to work. So this right. is what we want to do. This is what we want to do, doctor. And and I know that I know that you you don't want us to to uh overinflate your expertise, but we're gonna do it anyways. <laughs> Dr. Mason, listen. <laughs> listen, listen. See how we're throwing the doctor away. Dr. Mason, we're not gonna hold back. We want you to really answer the most pressing questions that folks have around this topic of critical race theory. So we're going to, right. on behalf of many, take the gloves off, all right, mm -hmm. and allow okay. you to speak very directly 
um, and uh, and also help us to work through this uh, this series that that we're doing, and we're delighted to have you to be a part of it. Before we do that, though, I do want to give you a moment to just talk a little bit about yourself, your interests, maybe even a little bit about how you came to faith, and we'll take it from there. Yeah, by and large, um, I was born into a, a Christian family, so I've, I've been hearing the gospel since I was quite young, but probably like a lot of people, you know, when you get to college and then uh, you start getting pressed in different, different directions, and then you have to think about it all a little more clearly and begin to justify it, and then you really start to figure out what it means. So probably, mm-hmm. you know, having been a Christian through my youth, probably through through college times, running into, you know, way out there false doctrines and things. I, I, I think it was about that time that I probably really began to embrace like faith in the sense of, uh, of receiving grace rather than being a good Christian kid, if wow. that makes sense. Um, and then soon after, I mean, I've been Reformed Church forever. Um, and I was married about 19 years ago, coming up here. Congrats, and, man. Um, yeah, so we're, we're going to get close to 20 years here, which is pretty awesome. <laughs> Amen. Amen and, to that. Uh, we have four kids up, and, uh, you know, I am an actual carpenter. I, I don't exactly cut the wood and put it together anymore because I'm just kind of managing it from uh, the owner's perspective. But, yeah. but that is my background, so that's not just a Jesus juke, as many people think it is. <laughs> oh, yes. It's it's like, actually, this man is really yeah. like Jesus. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then... Uh, also, I was thinking when you were introducing me, I was remembering, um, I mean, about, gosh, it must have been like five years ago, mm-hmm. I read an article of yours on on uh, Reformed African American Network, um, and I remember having a short conversation with you on Twitter, mm-hmm. and I was making the case like, well, yes, you know, there are problems, and um, but really, you know, you should just focus on your own community and, you know that's where it really the look and you were pushing back and saying, no, you can't just, you can't cop out like that. It is a, you know, it's a nationwide issue. Mm. We all have skin in the game that, you know, we're all participating in the systems that have been created. And at the time I was like, man, what does this guy want me to do? He's pushing me too hard. (laughs) (laughs) I do not remember this. Wow. It had a lot to do with the process of me, you know, coming to understand the reality, not just, the, the mythology that I had received in my own life and pretty much clung to almost for, you know, the sake of what I thought might be my own mental health. But if that makes sense, but you eventually you got to break that thing. You know, you can't, you can't treat it as precious and keep it intact. If it's, if it's a lie and if it's hurting people, you know, Message. so just pointing that out. Cause I, I think you had a fair amount to do with that process. So I'll let you know. <laughs> I literally had zero idea wow. about that. Southside I could probably Rabbi find those, those. I could probably find that those messages. Yeah, maybe wow. I'll share them with you. I can put them down. Yeah, Man, wow. it is so crazy that you said uh, your response. I mean, at first was like, "What? So, wh- what do you want me to do?" Because I feel like I hear that more yeah. than, yeah. than anything. It's like, so oh, okay, okay, all, all right. You, you, you won the argument. Okay, I got it. Now what? Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. right. And yeah. and I and I and I it is so interesting because oftentimes I'll have I have a lot of thoughts about now what, but it feels inappropriate to move into now what because I don't think you really understood what the problem was. Right. So I don't think we're actually on the same page about the issue. So it feels uncomfortable to start talking about the prescription. So it's it's I, I, it's blowing my mind right now that it almost seems like you went through 
uh, a time of sitting okay. with. Yeah, go ahead. But I'll one up you. It's even worse than that. Is I thought I had like I had um, I had done my good deed by getting that far. Right. Mm. Wow. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like like I'm acknowledging there's a problem. And, you know, something definitely did go on with Mike Brown and Trayvon. Mm -hmm. So now I've done my good white deed. And how can you not accept that? Yeah. Wow. Like, can't meet me halfway? What's going on? <laughs> like, it's a, it kind of felt like that, you know, mm -hmm. in that perspective. Mm -hmm. So for me, it was helpful for you to be direct mm -hmm. and push back against that. Right. And not accept, accept that sock, but, you know, require a little more, a little more thought, a little more introspection. Uh, help helps move people out of that. I think yeah. not in every case, but yeah, right. because I think that that if if there's too many like immediate high fives for what making them the most basic non-racist statement that right. probably Thornwell or Dabney could also make. <laughs> right, right, exactly. You know, shouldn't receive high fives and encouragement. Right, you know, wow. you're nowhere. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe that's just my opinion. I don't know. Maybe I'm not being fair, but. That's how it was for me. That's no, yeah. I hear no, that's fair. That's I hear fair. You on that, 100%. It reminds me when like celebrities do basic stuff. Like, man, look at him driving his own car. It's like, wow, <laughs> wow, man, oh, he man. is really like. <laughs> it's like, I think that's the decent <laughs> I, I, thing. I, 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 <laughs> Should we really be celebrating that? Oh no, it's just wild. But anyways, all right, I, I'm sorry. All right, so let's let's hop right into the conversation, man. Thank you for sharing that too. Here we go. Hold on to your butts. Here's what's happening right now, my brother. In fact, let me take the constructs off. I mean, the uh, fake uh, constructs. Yeah, take, the, take, take, take those off, brother. I got to get comfortable for yes, this. Yes, please. Let the toes breathe because in those, I don't even know if they're really steel toe either. I just, oh, these are cardboard. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> if you're just listening to this on audio, I have just taken off my fake Timberlands and put them on the table, okay? As an effort hey, I wore uh, flip-flops to the show. Is that acceptable? Oh, that you're, you're, you're really, fine. man? There you go, man. You're, you're good to go. There's yeah. that white male privilege again. <laughs> no, I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. All right, so here it is. Here it is. What mm -hmm. do you think is either good or bad about what Vody did in his book, Fault Lines? Well, uh, man. Where do I, I start? I want to be charitable, but... Um, and I will be charitable, <laughs> I promise. <laughs> but but I I I don't like it at all. Um, wow. So so I would say okay, the perspective I like to write about it, and mm -hmm. what I have written about it, and what I like to say about it is more technical, right? Right. A little more in the weeds. I want to talk about critical social justice, what critical race theory is, if right. his explanations of that are accurate or whatever. And and to me, that's that's very important. I don't know if that that's is important for other people, you know, maybe it, that is minutia. I find it important, yeah. but I, but even for me, I don't think the most damaging aspects of the book was that I'd say the most damaging aspects of the book was sort of the uh, retail retelling of the, uh, the racist policing story, right. Mm. Kind of recast in, in, in basically the whitewashed terms of, you know, trying to go over playing games with statistics and, and saying that, oh, look, uh, yes, so more more African-Americans are shot by policemen, but they can, you know, commit even more crimes by that same rate. So therefore, there really is no disparity. I'd, I'd say that mm. whole section to me is so upsetting, so damaging, wow. so wrong, so easily disproved. 
and why anyone would want to latch onto that and make it a centerpiece of their book, I just do not know. Wow. I mean, to me, that that's that's bordering on pernicious. Like, mm-hmm. how can you not have a heart for the circumstances that people are suffering? Like, sure. how right. I, I, does I, that's beyond me, right? Mm-hmm. So I see that as not just what's CRT, what isn't CRT, critical social justice, does he know anything about Bell? That's right. like, that's really practical stuff. Right, that right. he's giving fuel to the millions of people who ended up reading this book to completely write off these circumstances, this unjust policing, racist policing, just right. to, and now they got Vadi Bakum telling them, no, it's all fake, you know, and it's in my book. They got a place to go now to be cool with it. Yeah, 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 yeah. I've already had the book thrown in my face several times in the last oh, the yeah. last week from people who didn't even read it. They were just saying, <laughs> right. like, you know what's wrong with you. You haven't read this book. Right. Um, but I want to give you a second, though, and I mean, you can feel free to hop right. in as well. Well, it's your show, so you can do whatever you want to do. But um, how would you respond to, to, to those in our audience right now that are saying, I think that that point that Vody Bakum was exactly right. One, because that's the point I, I already believed that before I read it, and that helps me understand What's happening in America? These black people aren't being unjustly over-policed or, uh, or, or they're, they're not being, um, it's, racism isn't really a big issue. There's a few bad apples, of course, but not a big issue through with the police department. They just are violent people. They, they just stop committing crimes, okay? What do you say to that person, Bradley? And then, I mean, if you, if you want to add something, that'd be great, too. Yeah. I mean, if I want to get into the the weeds of that discussion, the main things to point out is that we know as a matter of fact, proportional to a population, that three times as many African-Americans are shot and killed by police as white. Mm -hmm. Right. Now, you don't take totals and compare them. So that's the first the first (laughs) trick that's always played. Right. Because you have African-Americans as 13 percent of the population and white Americans, what? more 70 yeah something like that right so if you just take the totals of each who have been uh shot killed murdered by the police and compare them you say well there's been more white people so why isn't there outrage right well, because you're talking about a much smaller percentage of the population right. overrepresented right in these statistics right, right. right. Uh, of criminal police behavior yeah that's number one yeah. so first you have to get back past that and you have to make it relative to the actual proportion of the population that the group is right, right 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 so that's that should be easy yes that should never happen in a discussion yes that anyone begin that discussion that way to me there's something going on there they know better right. everyone knows better facts i facts. would say bacham yeah. definitely knows better so facts. then the next thing and this has become the the most popular way to to skirt this issue is then to say well but if we look at violent crimes right african americans commit greatly disproportional percentage of the violent crimes, which is why they're involved in more police shootings, right? Yeah. So the first thing you're going to respond to that with is by pointing out how most of these police shootings had nothing to do with violent crimes. Mm. (laughs) I mean, that's not even like relevant. Mm. Driving down the road and putting your hand in the wrong spot, possibly. At worst. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Right. As many of these cases. Or running away. Right. Right. Yeah. (laughs) In some of these cases or, you know, obviously Floyd is just plain as day. No one's arguing with that. But even Bakum questions that like his whole point, he wants to say, but it wasn't racial. That's a 
whole different discussion and right. determining, you know, within our historical and social context, how you determine what is racial and what isn't racial right. is a discussion that has to be had, right? Right. Um, but uh, but that's a detour. So, but what people get wrong is that there's what you should be looking at is the the number of police citizen contacts, mm. right? Right. So many times that a citizen and a policeman find themselves together, whether it be a traffic stop or whatever. And that's where we find a tremendous disproportion, right? right. For given the population of African-Americans right, right, versus right. white Americans. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then, but people, they always start at the complete other end. They say right when the shooting happens, that if there is systemic racism in policing, that's the point at which it occurs. Hmm. Right. Message. Whereas we know better. We know, no, no, no where systemic racism, racism and policing begins even before all the way back when they decide what areas they want to police, wow. what they want to look for, what prosecutors are trying to enforce in that, that area, how many people are, uh, are in the parole system. You know, the, right. there, it's a whole system that starts all the way back at lawmaking, mm. then priorities, then what neighborhoods get policed, then you know, the number of police in those neighborhoods, right. then what are you looking for? Is it yeah. drugs or is it when? And of course, then it's what kinds of drugs, mm. party drugs for white frat boys or street drugs. Right. Yeah. So wow. all of these things go into it. And then and then when the point of contact happens, what what it, what are the expectations of uh, police toward African-Americans as opposed to other people? What, what do they think? Are they assuming violent? you know, tendencies or something of that sort right off the bat. So if you're going to talk about systemic racism and policing, you've got to talk about the whole package. It's not a discussion of what's the actual statistics of people who got shot mm. and then comparing the crime rate within that group. Right. right? So that's right. how they want to compare it. number of shootings versus crime rate in that group, yeah. rather than looking at how about number of contacts? How about the whole system that got you to that point to begin with? Right. So good. when we argue there's systemic racism in policing, what we mean is from the law books to the prosecutors, to the police, to the decisions on where the police should be, to how mm. neighborhoods are structured, how yeah. neighborhoods are segregated, you know, all the way through that. When you get to the point of the shooting, your answer should already be in place. Right. OK, right. that's not the point to begin the investigation or to start the statistical comparisons. You have to start that way back at the beginning. Yeah. And when you do that, it's obvious that number of contacts, the reason why it's it's per, way out of proportion. Yeah. yeah, mm -hmm. yeah right. Yeah, yeah. So it becomes very clear when you follow out the whole policing system and the judicial system and the legal system that there is very much the you know new jim crow aspect yeah. like alexander says there it is a form of social control and even if the individuals aren't intending it to be a form of social control they've come into those patterns yeah, and yeah. those systems and they maybe think they're enforcing you know uh justice at their own local level right um but they're not understanding that they're part of something that goes back hundreds of years yeah right yeah yeah and that the system isn't isn't set up like you said earlier about the few bad apples. So it's not this one guy necessarily that was mean at the end. Right. It was what what was his calling for in that department to right. begin with? Right, right, right. Where right. Did exactly. that department? 
I, I think right? I, I think what, what I want you to continue uh, going back into uh, to, to fault lines. I, I definitely <laughs> wanted you to to give that. That was super helpful. But this does remind me of Ferguson because um, yep. and 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 brother Vody, God bless him, wrote about uh, Ferguson as well. And I think he was also making the the non racial argument. You know what I'm saying? And basically mm-hmm. making saying that Mike Brown sort of did this to himself by his actions. And um, and it's so interesting that a lot of people jumped onto that. They said, "Here y'all go again, making everything about race." You know, this is this isn't a race situation, right? right. The, you know, the, the cop has a black nephew, that kind of stuff. So, the Department of Justice yeah. then did an investigation on Ferguson PD, oh, right? And blew that. Yeah. And then and then when they came back with their conclusion. They said that the issue at Ferguson is actually way bigger than Mike Brown. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they said that this yeah. they, they they pulled emails of race of, of referring to black people as niggers as mo- and monkeys. As monkeys. Right. They 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 saw that in, in uh, to, to, to Bradley's, Bradley's point, point about the police stop the police contact. Yeah. They sh- they showed that they had way more contact in that area for with non-violent, black, with yeah, nonviolent black black uh, folks uh, and and just black people in general than they did with white people. Uh, and, they were and, funding and, a, a large portion of their budget. Through, through yep. uh, just this sort of these uh, these sort of flippant fines that they were just giving to people for for jaywalking oh, and, or indirectly and straight just taking people's money when they'd stop them they found <laughs> oh. empty your pockets and they keep it that, yeah over and over and over again was in the report too that, that, yeah, that that's crazy and and, and what's so crazy yeah. too about that and I've rem- seen that in the hood too uh, yeah and and, and yeah. what I, and what I'm and what's so crazy about that is I remember before the DOJ even did the investigation. When Ferguson was happening, I remember I was watching the news and uh, CNN. Uh oh, uh oh, they uh, the which, communist news, the communist network. news network, uh, <laughs> which they actually weren't even doing anything like like any any kind. There was not even any kind of like liberal like like intention you could put behind this. Impossible. They literally went out to the streets and just started interviewing people in Ferguson, and they were just saying, "Hey, how do you guys feel about the policing here?" That's all they were doing. And letting the people answer the question. And they yeah. were like, oh, man, the police harass us all the time, man. And every single person they were interviewing was like, every black person, they harass us, they stop us. And I remember everyone was just like, man, black people are just being victims. And then the DOJ report comes out and confirms what the people on the street were actually saying. Yeah, 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 yeah. That they are disproportionately having contact with us, stopping us. And the, point, and, and the fact of the matter is, I mean, I think Bradley even got to this. If you are stopping Anybody, all the time, as a police officer, you're gonna find crime. You're gonna yeah. be able to find. T- if it, it, it's just like I remember, Mark Lamont Hill said like eight years ago, he was like, if a police officer goes downtown to a club full of white people and they follow those people all like 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 for hours and hours throughout the day, you're going to find them committing yes. a traffic infraction yes. or a crime. Yes. You're gonna find drugs on them. They're gonna be jaywalking. Yeah, They're gonna yeah, be yeah, drunk. Yeah. You're gonna be able to find any kind of crime if you're always in contact with them. Facts, facts. And so when you're in contact with black people disproportionately, of course we're gonna be That's outweighing right. That's right. all of the all of the criminal activity. But and and not to overstate your no, point, I mean I just wanted to say that th- that's why the studies were showing that black and white people were using uh certain drugs at the exact same, same rate. rate yeah. And except, except sometimes White folks were using that drug far more, right? But black people were going to jail for it yeah. three times. I mean, they, they they were the people that were being arrested for it, right? So they're, they're, that disparity also is part of the biggest struggle. But I don't right. want to take it no, away from yeah. from Bradley. So if you can get back to the to the book, brother, that'd be great. Yeah. Sorry about that. Yeah. Well, can I throw one more thing out? Yeah, yeah please, please, please do it. Yeah, take it. But I think it's important that that I think it's great that the DOJ brought all of that out 
mm-hmm. with reference to Ferguson, because it is a case study that, you know, people should look back to to understand how these things come about. Right. But I think also directly to the issue of, of what is considered a racial crime as opposed to a crime um, has to be taken into account as well, because actions and words don't happen in vacuums, mm, right? Right. So they occur within a symbolic system of meaning that's culture-wide, and we all understand it. Mm. And we have, in many ways, a shared history, right? We, we, there, there are, are meanings embedded in our very actions and the things we say that carry with it our own history, the history of our nation, right? And different symbols. So if, if we, for whatever reason, okay, uh, an example, a principal at a school wants to take a picture, but he wants to organize, this was Alan Freeman's example. Mm-hmm. He wants to organize all the students in a color order, right? Mm-hmm. So that it's visually more pleasing. Right. Kind of runs from white over to, you know, black. It's like a gradient. Darkest, light. Yeah, because so it'll look pretty, right? Right, right. Okay, how does that sound to you? Hold up. Or how does that sound to you? How does that sound to almost every American? Right, right. right. Oh, he didn't intend that, though. But it's done within a system of meanings that we're all well aware of. Yeah, right. Right? And so this connects with policing, the meaning of policing, uh, how police have treated uh, racialized minorities in the past, the history of lynching. I mean, there's, there's too much history. There's too much shared symbolism, too much historical knowledge that we all have as a culture, right, to to be able to say when something like what happened to George Floyd happens, that it's non-racial. Mm. There's too much there. Right. It fits within a system of meanings that we share, right? Um, so in almost any case, I mean, you could do this if you went back to actual uh, a lynching, right? Mm-hmm. Back in the 20s or earlier, right? You could come to that and say, oh, no, 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 he committed a crime, right? Mm-hmm. We all know he committed a crime. So that's what happened. There's nothing racial about this at all. Mm. Couldn't you? You're right. You can make that. You can argument. literally make the same exact argument. Thanks. This is yeah. just a matter of him breaking the law. It's not a matter of race. We know what it means because our actions happen in systems of meanings and mm. systems of symbols in things that connect with our past. And, and we know what these things mean in a society. If you run a highway between a town and it just happens to split based upon race. <laughs> Well, that was the best place for the highway to go. Yeah, I mean, sorry, too much history here. We know what that means, and you know what that means when you do it. Mm. Right, 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 exactly. Okay, so I, I think there's a different level of determining this. Yes, we can prove somebody said the N word many times, right? Or that there was these specific abuses, or there was emails passed around. But but we all know what's going on in that neighborhood, yeah. right? We know what it means. Yeah. The officer himself knew what it meant, yeah. right. right? So so I think that we, we need to, in my opinion, analyze these in a much richer context, uh, what, what the philosophers call the thick description of the event. Mm. Because you can look at something that happens as just break it down as simple as you want. You can make it a biological event. You can make it atoms in motion, right? Or you can start to work your way out to what does it mean? What does it mean to other people? How would they interpret it? And if you take it back to our whole society with our 400 year history, Mm -hmm. then that event means something more than just the minimal individualistic 
requirement that you want to see. Right, mm. right, 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 that, right. That's an argument I think that could be made. And I think the courts should actually be considering these arguments as well. Mm. That's good. Mm. That's good. That's good. If that makes yes. sense. Yeah. So you talked about, so that there was this sort of uh, just sloppy um, and unhelpful dealing with that police issue and, and kind of even right. winking at winking at uh, George Floyd as something that had nothing to do with race. Um, right. What else? Um, probably the next most disturbing for me is just how he treated other brothers and sisters in the faith. Wow. Um, to just be that dismissive to say they all deny. There's that one passage where he says, and all of these guys deny that they're critical race theory, but they talk about disproportionate uh, killings uh, by police. So, so now that's the, that's the standard. Yeah. That's yeah. He literally says that in there. Okay. Um, I shared it on Twitter and it's, it's there. So, so things like that just go right to, I'm sure you've all seen by now that, that tweet from uh, Christopher Rufo. Oh my God. Right. He's yeah. explaining what they're up to. Wait, wait. And, and, and yeah. please, for those who don't know who Christopher Rufo is and who did not see the tweet, what did Christopher Rufo say in the tweet? He basically said, our program is to take critical race theory and make it sound as toxic as possible mm. by, by, by any bad thing that we see connecting it with critical race theory. So now it's toxic in people's minds. Yeah. Then everything we want to oppose, we can subsume under critical race theory crazy. in order to neutralize. Oh, yeah. That's, but he said that out loud. He said it out loud. Right? It, 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 it was, I remember reading it. And I said, this dude is literally explaining the conspiracy of critical race theory out loud. He's literally saying, yep. we are getting, we want to get this to the point that if anybody mentions anything like about race or anything that we just don't like regarding racial component, it's critical race theory. And we're doing it on purpose. Would literally make 99% of the South Side critical race theorists because you're now, not going to talk to or, or, a single person. Or the majority of black people in America know, critical race theorists. You talk to anybody from the South side and ask them do you think that the police unfairly and disproportionately target you and your community in ways that your white friends or brothers and sisters or counterparts uh don't have to deal with everyone say absolutely what is that a question are you serious right so we're all that's that's right. that's a heck of a statement go it ahead brothers. yep so and so i think he's using the same process as rupo and maybe he's doing it unintentionally or he doesn't i i don't know i really don't but, but it's clear that he's followed the same pattern. He's taken something like critical race theory, made, made it mean something else, explained it so that it was as scary as, you know, it could be through misrepresentation. Now it's a toxic phrase. Mm. Then try to fit anything you can into it in order to discredit it. And he's doing that with actual people mm. like, you know, Tabiti and I mean, people that I just can't even understand. Like, yeah, yeah. what? Yeah. Like, that, that, How that does breaks that my heart. fit in? Yeah. I don't even understand it. So yeah. to me, like that section on policing and then um, just the way he's tr treated other other brothers and sisters in the faith, I think is probably the most damaging aspect of it. Mm. Um, mainly because to me, it can't have just, it couldn't have just been like a, a the theoretical mistake. Like you misread a passage or right. something, you know, right. just, it can't be coming from that. So, but then, Last, obviously, is the theoretical aspect of it, um, <laughs> which which is just it's just a train wreck, in my wow. opinion. Wow. It's a mess. Um, he starts off, you know, talking about how the subject of this book is critical social justice. 
right? right? But then he tells us what critical social justice means, and I guess it maybe means critical race theory or critical theory. A lot of confusion on what that is, but critical social justice is is D'Angelo's phrase, okay? Right, Robin D'Angelo gotcha. and and Sensoy and their book is is everyone really equal? 2011. That's where the phrase came from, um, and they're, what they're saying is, okay, so we want to do social justice, but we approach it from uh, the critical method, meaning that we're not just looking at the surface of things, we're seeing how society was formed and how people were socialized, right? And then using uh, that that avenue to address the issue of social justice. Oh, That's all right. critical social justice means. Yeah. But in his book, it's a worldview yeah. that you know contains everything he wants to put into it. And then some of the problematic things too, though, are like when he gets to critical race theory and he says, oh, what is critical race theory? And he's like, uh, the, the U- UCLA, um, oh, what was the name of it? It's a student organization, right? Wasn't it? Well, that's by- what it turned out to be. It's just some one-off blog site from like a dozen years ago, written by some students <laughs> who were trying to organize a, a critical race theory class. And then they give an explanation of what critical race theory. He presents this as like an authoritative from UCLA explanation of what critical race theory. So right off the bat, it's like, whoa, did you look into this at all? And then second, he just takes a piece of it and says, this is what they say critical race theory is. And but it's from a list, which (laughs) is weird. So some things he wants to just leave out. I don't know consistently. Right. And then he goes over and he and he talks about probably the most well accepted explanation is from um, uh, Delgado and Stefankic, right? Uh-huh. The uh, introduction to critical race theory. But there, for whatever reason, there's like six tenets that he talks about. He says he's quoting four of them. One of them doesn't exist at all in the book. He oh. left out the other two, and then. Two others, he rephrased them in his own words. And then the last one, he completely mislabeled it. He called it the social construction thesis, but, and then talked about it like it was about standpoint epistemology. So I, I don't oh, even wow. know where it came from. So there's some like, scholarship issues happening there. So well, that's what happened. Yeah, and like you said, you, you said there are some scholarship issues there, but that's what happens when you're not a critical race theorist scholar yeah. trying to critique this type of work. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm not trying to yeah, bash voting. For sure, for sure. But what we have seen is we have, we number one, I think what evangelicals do is they make the mistake of thinking that their pastor and their theological uh, uh, mentors yeah. are, because they're, they're, they're good with theology, and some are not, even though you think that they are, but it, it, and some could be, that that means that because they are really good at theology and they may have some expertise there, they have expertise everywhere. Everywhere. That's, that, that, that's the problem. So because he's been such a, great leader to us when it comes to like these type of things yeah. then he also can speak to this yes. and he can speak to this yes. and he can speak to this yes. that's not how I, I, that's not how expertise I even, works I even wonder if, if the, even the reason that he's folks want him to speak to this is racialized itself because he's the well, he's the I'm black sorry. dude. <laughs> I, well, I, 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 let's not, get the black guy this is not this is not to bash him but I do believe that I mean we've seen that time and time again that what what folks will do is weaponize somebody else's blackness against other black people. So sure. he's black and he doesn't believe it. Therefore, he has to be right because he's black and he disagrees with you. And I'm like, well, if that is the standard, then yeah. you also have to give the same standard to me because I'm black. Oh. <laughs>
So if, if that's the standard, then we cancel each other out. He's yeah. black yeah, and he yeah. disagrees with me, but I'm black and I disagree with him. I know that's that, why Thomas Soul. You know, oh, we can only speculate, but Thomas Soul for sure is always used like that towards oh, right, right, you know, right. And but yeah. not to. Yeah. I, sorry, I'm, I'm not trying yeah. to. I'm not trying to go on a rabbit trail, but right. I think that yeah. it's important. Yeah, no, <laughs> I think it's important what you pointed out about that there is serious like scholarship errors there because it's not really an academic yeah. work. It's yeah. it's like uh, uh, this is going to be my characterization of what I think the problem right. is. And I think this is why it's important that you constantly push people to read primary sources, but but go ahead. Right, yeah. So, I mean, even on that score, one of the, the supposed tenets of critical race theory in, in Body Bauckham's book is that, um, that reason and science is a white thing, but, um, but black people learn by storytelling. Oh, no, you did. He says that's a, uh, that's a tenet of critical race theory. Right. Right. So you can see he's trying to talk about the whole uh, sort of standpoint epistemology related to uh, to using narrative and right. legal cases to retell stories. Some it's somewhere in there. Right. But what is that? I mean, is that just an accident? Does he really believe that's what's being taught? But that's simply not a tenant of critical race theory. Um, and then he separates out as a totally distinct thing, um, intersectionality. But here again, he talks about layers of oppression. So if you're black, then that's one layer of oppression. If you're a woman, that's a second layer. And then if you're a lesbian, that's a third layer. So it just piles up. Now you're more oppressed right. than everyone else. And then he even quotes from some weird internet source. Like if you look through what the citations are, it's bewildering. It, wow. To me, it looks like he was looking for sentences on these subjects on the internet mm. right not like reading books in his hands and coming to these conclusions right so because there's very odd odd sources so and this source he quotes it and it's a pretty good quote that doesn't say anything that he just said like i don't even understand why he put the quote in there it was actually a pretty good explanation of uh intersectionality right after he told us what intersectionality is is layers of oppression Right. Right. Mm. Intersectionality is an intersection. That's the whole point. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. Right. That 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 black women were racialized different than black men. Right. right. And same with white men and white women. And that that's the point is that there's different intersections that have different implications. Right. So, I mean, if you go back to Kimberly Crenshaw's uh, original work, she's talking about Title seven law. Mm -hmm. So. A, a black woman who's discriminated can't get a job or doesn't get promoted or whatever at, at a business has no case based upon that intersection yeah. because the employer can say, Oh no, look at all the black men I have hired. Right. Tons of them. They're out working right now. Yeah. And then look at all the white women I have hired. They're in the offices right now working. So I don't discriminate against race or gender. Or gender. Right. Right. So, the point is not that the, the the black woman who is discriminated against is somehow piling on multiple oppressions. It's that she's a distinct intersection. Mm. That you have to understand racism different relative to gender, and you have to understand gender differently relative to race because of how those things were constructed in American society. So he completely obliterates that point. It's lost. I, I cannot find anything in that basic first description that that holds water. Mm. personally and he says this is the subject of my book so if that's the subject of your book yeah. and you have no idea what it is yeah 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 it's hard to keep going message
I feel like the the book is a uh, is kind of a representation of how evangelicals at large who are in the anti woke anti CRT uh, kick do work regarding CRT. Is that they kind of don't really know what it is. They take bits and pieces from different places, but they're not really mm-hmm. reading primary sources. Um, right. And then they kind of piece together what they think it is, and then they kind of put together like a straw man or several straw right. men, and then they attack the crap out of the the straw man. Right. And then people right. like you are coming along and saying, "Hey, uh, this is actually being misrepresented." Because let me actually let me actually show you guys some primary sources to actually understand, right. so you can understand what is actually what is really meant by these yeah. things. Yeah. And it seems right. like evangelicals aren't interested in that. This is why I I am I am passionate about the fact that the culture war is taking evangelical is bewitching evangelicals and it's not about truth anymore it's about bashing the side mm-hmm. because it, they're not interested in what the primary sources are right, actually right, right. really saying and every time you try to explain but, a primary source right. you're seeing you, you you're basically being seen as a defender an of apologist critical, for it apologist and, for and, critical and, race and, theory. and yeah. so and right. so the, what what is more what it seems like they are more dedicated to rather than the truth and the accuracy of what is being said it's just the, it's just the narrative about CRT in general. Bradley, just to, uh, the the kind of uh, ride on what I mean said and to connect to the next thing as well right. that, that I was hoping I was hoping to ask you about because I mean kind of alluded to it. One of the things one of the things that I found intriguing about your uh, conversation with Neil Shinvi um, is mm-hmm. is how you took basically Neil Shinvi's definition of contemporary critical theory or what is he what is he calling it cct contemporary critical theory but somehow it included critical race theory and all kinds of other things all all together under sort of a new phrase right 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 i can see that completely because i i was under the impression that he was always arguing for what the tenets and core sort of um uh essence of critical race theory like what 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 it is and what was interesting to me in y'all exchange and I'm not sure if that happened in y'all written debate or if this happened later, but you took his tenets to critical race theorists, like actual critical race theory right. theorists or people who would see themselves right. a part of the CRT community. Scholars, academics. Scholars. And yeah. you took it to them and said, hey, guys, the, the guys who do this, what do you think of these definitions? And they unanimously said, that's not what we're saying. That this right. is a caricature of what it is that we're trying to do. This is not a worldview. We're not just. A, this isn't a, a gospel statement. Mm-hmm. This isn't like we're, we're making a a claim to salvation and redemption that is contrary to the claims of Jesus. We don't see him as a competitor at all, um, and we also don't see the way that we're being represented as accurate to anything that we're doing. Right. I. I want you to tease that out for me a little bit because I think it, it goes to what Amin is saying is that what we are stuck on right now and and and, and res- with much respect to 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 whoever's writing about this if you've been if you've been you know sort of commissioned to write a hit piece on critical race theory and then you begin to go study it and find out that this is actually not what they're saying you're going to have to do some gymnastics <laughs> you have to piece some stuff together to 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 make it sort of yeah. to be the the boogeyman that it needs to be. So my question to you then is how much is the bad sort of uh the the sort of uh the the defining it as something apart from 
what critical race theorists are actually saying that they're doing. How much of that is playing into this entire problem? I think directly. I, I mean, uh, so like one of the things in that sort of tenant list he was using, and again, he was saying contemporary critical theory, but the tenants were about race. So I don't know. Uh, I don't know exactly what the target was. The target sort of developed over time. I think he got clearer on what he wanted to be the target after a lot of pushback. But um, I think like right off the bat, one of the problems is those four sort of tenets that, that he was using are each of them very traditional, right? So this goes to another problem is we're currently at a state when we're misdefining and misrepresenting critical race theory. What we're also doing is problematizing traditional abolition and civil rights discourse. That's what I right? want to Please say that. Wow. I wanted to so, talk. I wanted to ask about that. Go ahead. So, so I think that there, there's a major danger in there. So if you say oppressor and oppressed is some sort of Marxist invention and that critical race theorists or that's what it means is you're dividing the world up into oppressor. You know, you do something like that, then now you problematize what what uh, David Walker was writing about all the way in the 1830s. Right. You know, you know what I'm saying? Right. Or 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 something like standpoint epistemology. Okay. So um, and the way it's always phrased is wrong. It doesn't mean that there's no truth or that there's no objective truth or that some people have better access to truth. That's not the claim across the board. But what it when you when you do misphrase it, misuse it, misrepresent it, now it problematizes something that we all knew historically, that different people in different circumstances can speak to their own circumstances sure. with a little more knowledge and authority than someone who's never been there. Right. Yeah, yeah, right? And, and we, yeah. we have no so, problem with that in anything else. Like if a woman is never, pregnant uh, and, ha and had babies and is trying to tell a man what it's like to give birth, and a man is yeah. trying to tell her what it's like to give birth based upon what he read, I think that no, we would come to that conversation and say, hey... <laughs> I think that right. she has a little bit more it's credibility. Ten months, not nine right. months. I think that she has a little bit more credibility <laughs> to tell you what pregnancy and giving birth is like since she was pregnant and gave birth. Like I know you right. read about it, but you but but there's a little bit more credibility that I'm gonna give to the woman that actually has been through it than you right. reading right. about it. Or if you're reading about Isn't the Isn't that how degrees work? Right. Or if yeah, right. <laughs> or if you're reading about the military and what it's like to go to war in Iraq and you're trying to tell a guy that actually has been to war in Iraq what it's like. Right. Yeah, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Or, or like yeah. I, I feel like we get that for everything else, but when it comes to like race where we short circuit. Like yes. it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. So someone says, you don't know what it's like to be in battle. I don't respond. You don't believe in objective truth? <laughs> you don't you don't believe that that God has made me so that I can know the same things as you? Are you are you a a, a warrior gnostic right. or whatever? <laughs> right, 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 right. Are you a warrior? Are you a warrior? And what we're really saying, and I think that just comes from this kind of reformed evangelical mind, or even just just being rationalist, is that I have read about it and I know about it, therefore I can speak to it authoritatively. Because I have like this, mm -hmm. this kind of intellectual ascent of this information of what I have, sure. so that makes me qualified to speak to it. Right, right. And it's like, no, it, it, it necessarily not necessarily. That's right. You can if, if it's like you haven't been to war, so you don't know what it's like. It's like, but I read what it's like, so yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I. And it's yeah. like, no, you can't. That's not what it's. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's good. That's the fundamentalist hermeneutic, right? Right. True. Yep. True. The fundamentalist hermeneutic is is that. If it makes sense in my mind right now, that's what the truth is. Yes. I mean, that's true for everybody. Pretty much it. So 
But going back, so if we just took those two quote unquote tenants, right? And we problematize the idea that there are oppressed groups and oppressor groups, mm -hmm. right? And we problemize the idea that there is such thing as a unique voice of color, right? By misrepresenting those ideas and by making them, casting them in their worst light. What, what from the abolitionist and civil rights tradition is lost when you eliminate those two things? Mm, both of them, right? yeah. Yeah. Everything, so everything I is say lost. that's pretty important yeah. to defend that, to defend the accuracy of that, to say, no, that's not what's being said. And, and, and I'm not going to allow you to make uh, an ideology appear toxic and then take the, the very civil rights tradition itself and subsume it under that in order to marginalize it, which right. is where we're at right now. Wow. wow I don't wow. think people could read all of King's speeches anymore. <laughs> I mean, how, how did that happen? How in 2021 is now, he's as scary as he's ever been. Yeah, right. When you start reading King. Yesterday, I was in the conversation with somebody that they were calling Martin Luther King a Marxist yesterday, bro. <laughs> and wish he got called yesterday. back then. Yeah. If we don't fight for those things, then we lose everything that the, that the civil rights movement and the abolitionist discourse and everything has has given us. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, and then another danger is that 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 this sort of retrenchment move we're going through can pigeonhole the discourse of this civil rights movement so that it is about the topics they want to say it's about. Right. Mm. So um, you you could say, well, everyone in America has been given their rights now, mm -hmm. so it's over. Okay, and then that's what we got from the civil rights movement. But what did we just do? I, I mean, you know, like Nathan Cardenio points out, that that's some organized forgetting right there. Yeah, like mm -hmm. that's yeah. happening, right? That's intentional forgetfulness. Mm. Because what were they talking about then? They were talking about changing the circumstances of subordinated people. Yeah, yeah right, yeah, yeah, yeah. right, right. That was the purpose of the laws. That's why the Brown decision came about that's that's why uh the civil rights acts were written it was to restore a people right to to uh equity in our society mm. that was the purpose and the intention right now that's recast as as a problem or 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 a marxist fiction or something and it's all by means of this attack on critical race theory wow. we're actually losing that core intent that, that when <sighs> i mean you can even go back to to LBJ, when he he gives the example at, at the speech at, where was he at? Was he at Howard? Um, he talks about, you know, you have runners all preparing and they're racing. And then one, a couple guys, you just take the shackles right off their legs that they've lived with their whole life. Now you put them all on the starting line and you say run. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. He's like, is that, is that helpful? Is that actually redressing the problem? Right. Is that bringing about equity? Of course not. So even LBJ understood what he was doing to have real life circumstantial effects on, on the living conditions of subordinated peoples in the United States. Yeah. And when that didn't begin happening, right, this is when critical race theory starts to develop. Mm. They say, no, 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 wait a minute. Your, your new conservative interpretation of the meaning of those laws isn't the standard. Mm. Right. Because I know civil rights legal history, they would argue. And and you can see over and over that there's been a another strain involved in that. And that's that 
when we're changing these laws, the intention is to change circumstances, mm. to give people not just the right to opportunity, but give them opportunity. Right, 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 right. Not just to, to give people the like opportunity to create wealth, yeah. but to to overcome the disadvantage we've already put in their way. Right. 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 So that whole intention of the civil rights movement can now be buried through this attack on critical wow. race theory, wow. Wow, 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 is wow. my opinion. Wow. This guy's caught in the crossfire. That is really good. Um, I think that one of the things that you point out, a couple things, man, because I'm I'm thinking I'm thinking about the audience too, is the civil rights movement, right? Um, one of the things that mm -hmm. I, I I've always kind of tried to point out when we were discussing uh, critical race theory is that it seems like the opponents are trying to frame critical race theory at like 1988, 1989. This is where it started, right? right. So right. Uh, if yeah. I could say this, let me say this. In America, there has always been black folks who have been fighting for freedom, justice, and equality since we got here. It has never stopped. Sure. We saw a big yeah. kind of mainstream resurgence of this going mainstream when Trayvon Martin happened, yeah. right? And then right. it went really nuclear when Ferguson happened, Yeah. right? Mm -hmm. Us as black Christians were like, uh, uh, you, you have the, the anti-CRT, anti-woke Christian opponents who will say to us, you guys did not care about any of this stuff until Ferguson. Yes, yes, yeah. And what we will say is, for some, that is true. But for a lot of us, we assumed that we were on the same page, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So a lot of the time, like when Ferguson happened, I'm telling you, Bradley, you already know this, but when Ferguson happened, a lot of us were like outraged. And we were like, oh, of course our white brothers and sisters in Christ are going to also be outraged with us. And all of the folks that we look to, all of the theologians we look to, all of the people whose books and commentaries right. and systematic theologies we yeah. have, everybody's going to, yeah, yeah, everybody's going to come out and they're going to be like, of course this is wrong. Right. And once right. we realized they came out and said the opposite, yeah, 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 yeah. we were shocked. Like yeah, black, yeah. like a lot of black Christians were like, whoa, hold on. So this whole time. This whole time, this yeah. is what you guys thought about. Like when stuff like this happened to people like us, this is what you guys thought about. So then we started saying, no, black lives do matter because Black Lives Matter wasn't really an organization at that point. Right. So there wasn't that attack. Right. But then we started saying, no, yep. black lives do matter. This is wrong. What happened to Trayvon? This is wrong. What happened to Mike Brown? This is there are, clearly there are racial components here. And, and we started talking about it and they started saying. You guys are making all this all about race. And they didn't even mention critical race theory yet because evangelicals didn't know what the heck critical race theory was. Right, right. Right. They didn't have they yeah. haven't heard of it. They didn't hear they haven't heard of it. Some of them might have heard a little bit about critical theory because of stuff that they they they've done on Marxism, but nobody really knew what it was. So what in the beginning they right. just started calling us like social justice warriors and, uh, and, yeah, and, and racial and, marks and, or uh, racial call, Gnostics. Calling us racial Gnostics, yeah. calling us neo-Marxists. Um, and, and stuff like that. Again, all stuff that we believed just a week ago. Right. Like we literally would have said the exact same thing we're saying now right. a week ago. Right. It's just an occasion for it because this thing has really stirred something in our hearts that it's now becoming a mainstream conversation. Right, right. But it isn't as if Trayvon Martin died and then dudes went and started reading a couple of so, books. So, yeah, so, so, this, so, so that's what I was saying is yeah. that so we started calling, we get started getting called social justice warriors. I'm sorry, Bradley, just indulge me a little bit. Social oh, justice warriors and all of that. And then all of a sudden, when we started speaking out about these things, people, I mean, they were, they were calling us these SJWs. You guys sound like neo-Marxists. I think, um, I'm not sure if it was me, but I'm almost, I, I, I think it was 
when um, the, the whole thing happened when James White put out that video of that black teenager from his dash cam and he made that assumption about uh, him. And then I tweeted about yeah. it and said, yo, that assumption that James White made about that black teenager was horrible. That was pretty bad. And um, I didn't even tag him in it. Then he started debating me and then he called me a racial Gnostic, which is the first time I've, I think that he's, he used that term publicly, I think, because <laughs> he, called, he called that to me and then everybody like wow. kind of pile-drived on him. Congrats, bro. And, no, yeah. it's not. And then, and then I backed out of the conversation. So all of this started happening, but nobody was saying anything about critical theory or critical race theory at all, right? Because nobody knew nothing right. about it. So right. then we were just being called liberals and you guys sound like Democrats and all of that stuff. And then that's when we really started saying, hold on, hold up. this seems more political than it is about truth. Yeah, that's, that's right. When that's black right. people started saying, hold right. on, this seems like, like a political, is this like a conservative, like Republican political thing? Like then we're getting confused. So then comes along the articles and the talks about critical theory. They weren't even talking about critical race theory in the beginning. It was just about critical right. theory and, and linking that to Marxism and Marx and the Frankfurt School and the German philosophers and all of that. So then we start, then everything the evangelicals started saying it started getting wind of like I, I would say like some of Neil Shinvey's articles, his talk, and then they started using the terminology. Oh, this is why all of our, these black Christians are talking about this race stuff is because of critical right. theory, yeah. right? So then they started kind of parroting what he was saying. Then he started talking about critical race theory, and they kind of moved into critical race theory, and then the narrative became. You guys did not really care anything about this, but then when Trayvon Martin and Mike Brown happened, all of a sudden it was like the narrative was like we started reading Crenshaw, mm. Matt Suda, <laughs> uh, 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 Delegato, yes. Stefanchik, yeah. and then all of us started just to become bewitched by critical race theory. Or right. or, or we can maybe say we started reading uh, Horikheimer, Marcuse, sure, sure. Uh, uh, Antonio Gramsci, and then yeah. we became we came we became bewitched by critical theory, and then we became bewitched by critical race theory, and that is the simple, clear cut, uh, easily neat button uh issue of what the problem yeah. is right now and then we as black people were saying what in the world? what in the hell is critical race theory we don't even know what you guys are talking about I, and 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 right. and and I, and I know that you guys i know that we don't we're not you guys are talking about marxism but we're definitely not marxist so what what is this so then we started studying critical race theory because we were being accused of critical race theory right right so i'm the, so right. i so i i so kind of talk if it. i'm doing critical race theory yeah so let me see why do they keep calling me a critical race theorist because and, and cuz what we're saying is like we are getting a lot of our understandings of this not only from our own experience but the 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 traditional civil rights movement and and and, right. and prior to that like we're we 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 you can get this from king douglas baldwin uh sure. morrison uh du bois so we're we're like these guys are talking. We're not even talking about any. We don't even know about any of these scholars. So then now right. the narrative gets paint, painted that this is just simply critical race theory, and we know people and all, all kind of like even even certain leaders that right. we know that are like, oh, that's what's happening to the black members of my church. They're being bewitched by critical race theory, yeah. right? Yeah. And the black members of their yeah. church are even that still like we don't it's still don't know, know what, what this that is. is. Yes. So I, I think yeah. that um, it, it's unfortunate. And what I think that uh, I, I kind of wanted you to speak to is being that this is what the accusation is now. And we may be going backwards a little bit. Hopefully we're not. What would you say is critical race theory? Mm. Right. Um, and why should we shouldn't, why should we like not just start at critical race theory? Because critical race theory comes out of critical legal studies. So most people just start at critical race theory. They don't talk anything right. about critical legal studies or Bell or Freeman. Um, and, and, or they, they may mention Bell and Freeman just to talk about their, their involvement with critical race theory, but they don't talk about like critical legal studies. And so like, what is critical race theory? Um, and why is it, 
now being being such kind of like a buzzword. Yeah, why it's a buzzword is still bewildering to me. Actually, <laughs> every time I hear like some other person, like how you even hear of that? Phrase? Right, right. Like, what do you like? How I kind of blow. You know, mm-hmm. when your parents are like talking to you about like. I don't know. Critical race theory says I heard it on the radio. It's like you heard about you critical heard race theory Why? on the radio. Like Yo, when I first heard that. Hold on. Blowing my mind. Talking about nuclear biology. But, <laughs> yeah. It's like, like what, what is going on? Yeah. Very confusing. Mm-hmm. So to me, I mean, the way I understand critical race theory is, is basically it's a response to the retrenchment that followed the civil rights movement. Yes. Right. It, yes. And what is out that? of the legal academy? Mm-hmm. So, coming out of the civil rights movement, kind of like we mentioned earlier, there was a specific set of goals that was, you know, working towards equity, changing the subordinated circumstances, redistributing power, mm-hmm. right, among groups. Like that was primary, even right. for King. He said it out loud. Okay. So, and then, and then once those laws are in place, then now we're in a position to where nobody has to do anything. Because you can just say the laws are in place. Right. We have equality. We've achieved formal equality. Everyone has their rights. So then right after that, you see, you know, in the 70s, first you see Bell come out and, and take a, a major step. I mean, according to Crenshaw, the, the, the article uh, Serving Two Masters, it's hard for me to read it as mind-blowing now, but then it was like, whoa. Okay, so Brown versus Board of Education says that, you know, racial mixing is the norm now, right? Mm -hmm. All schools have to integrate at their own pace. Of course, King points out it basically never happened, still hasn't. (laughs) Right, still hasn't, um, right? (laughs) Because it's up to however the local jurisdictions want to implement it. But anyway, so, and, uh, and Bell is going all around the country himself litigating these cases. And what he's learning is that is it changing their circumstances? Are they getting better education? Are they still being discriminated against even though they're in a mixed school? Are they on different learning tracks? Are they disciplined differently, right? So his shift is like, okay, the greatest landmark civil rights case ever in history, Brown versus versus Board of Education overturns Plessy versus Ferguson. It's like right. the biggest thing in the world. We all hang our hat on it and we just go to town suing wherever we can sue and fix this. And he's pointing out how is it actually making black children's lives better, mm. their education better? Right. Is it helping their communities? Because in the, even in their communities, they're saying, no, not really. Right. It's not any better, right? right. So Crenshaw points out just that shift itself is the spark that is critical race theory, mm. right? She says that in her introduction to the, the key writings that form the movement. Um, so it's that understanding that you come out of the civil rights movement, sure you have the legal ap- apparatus on paper and in place. The immediate retrenchment is to say, okay, then everything's done. Right. And it was never about actually achieving real equity, right? Anyhow. Right. Right. right? And then so, so some uh, a firm that had um, completely discriminated overtly, right? And their staff, like they didn't hire, they only hired for certain positions for different races and, you know, open about it. Then the 1964 civil rights package passed, Title VII, all of that. Mm-hmm. Now they can't do that anymore. 10 years later, the racial makeup of the firm is exactly Hasn't as changed. Well. still the same, right? Right, hasn't changed at all. But now it's legitimized. 
Well, yes. it's got to be the people's fault. You know, I guess the black people aren't working as hard as they should be. Right. right? Because there's because no law, the law stopping them. Because we don't discriminate. So it's done. That became the national norm. Yeah. Right. In Which the is 70s. exactly what's being that's, said that's now. That's what elected that's right. Ronald Reagan. Right. Yeah. And so what critical race theory through Bell and then even Freeman, because he's really looking at the laws like, wait a minute, how are you interpreting the laws to mean that it shouldn't actually change their circumstances? You know, that that that's not the only way to look at these laws. So he's coming from that perspective. Bell's coming from the perspective of, hey, I'm a civil rights guy, but I also have my black nationalist roots and and I understand about power and how that needs to be changed. So this group of scholars is seeing that right after the civil rights movement, that nothing's going to change and no one wants to change it. And now we can even say it's all okay because the laws are in place and we don't discriminate. Mm. So whatever is going wrong has to be the people's own fault because it's a fair game. Right. Right. And so, so then later students of Bell, Crenshaw, Matsuda, uh, Lawrence, all of these people, not all of them students of Bell, obviously Delgado, mm -hmm. um, they start really digging into this and responding to that period of retrenchment yeah. following the civil rights movement. So for me, if, if I'm understanding critical race theory correctly, it is just the, the radical elements of the civil rights tradition and its intention, right? And it's transformed in the modern legal system to respond to a system that's focused primarily on colorblindness equal opportunity and equal treatment as equal protection. Right. Wow. And yeah. so it's the legal analysis that responds to that new system of retrenchment, that change in the way racism operates in America after the civil rights movement. Right. My question too is so, how do I don't we... know if that's a, no, 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 that's, no, that's, that's really good. Very, very that helpful. That is really good. That's exactly what I was. Yeah, go ahead. Because it sounds like to me that, that, that uh, critical race theory is a, is a tool. It, it's mm -hmm. a tool that that folks are using to again address a real problem. So we we talked about this recently that that when we are even uh, condemning Marxism, which there's all kinds of things about Marxism that should be condemned. Mm -hmm. Okay, that, yeah. that, let me be clear about that. Right. But what one of the things that you should not condemn is the reason why Karl Marx thought there should be a communist manifesto. And mm -hmm. the reason why he thought there should be a communist manifesto is because the society, as it stood, very much in this brutal capitalist industrial society, right, was brutalizing poor people. Uh, uh, like crazy. Brutal. Yeah. I mean, the stuff that I was reading, man, broke my heart, man. And, and not only were they brutalizing them, but, they, but Marx was saying that the system is set up to pay them pennies in a dollar. And there's nothing that they can do to actually change That's their right. circumstance That's right. because the system is operating the way that it's supposed to. It gets work out of them by giving them really nothing in return. Right. And there's nothing that they, they don't have any recourse to yes. actually do anything else to change it. So what is going to happen is that there's going to be a revolt. There's going to be a revolution. Yeah, that would pretty much be their option, yeah. which was America's. That's, the only, that's, the only, the that's exactly what America said. The American said. Revolution. But I, I yeah. think that it's important. It's, I think the point that, that I, I'm, I'm hoping that, that can be felt is that there definitely is a need for us to sit with why people are trying to create tools to free other folks. Right. Like why, why do we need to come up with a better way of doing things? Now, you can look at the, the approach or the tool that's being uh, presented 
and weigh it for its its metrics. And, I, and that's actually what my question is going to be to you, Bradley, is how do we determine how good or bad critical race theory is? How do we weigh it? Because when I, I think about like hermeneutics, for example, first of all, no one would ever call hermeneutics a worldview. <laughs> Nobody would say that, man, you, you, it's, hermeneutics is my worldview. Right. Hermen, hermeneutics is a tool and it is completely based on how it's being used. And it's to excavate meaning. <laughs> yes. That's the, that's the thing about hermeneutics is that it's being used to, to excavate, excavate meaning. meaning. And if you, you right. the, the, the sort of goodness and badness of that hermeneutic is going to be in the usage of the tool. Right. So, so I'm, I'm saying two things. In, 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 one, in one respect, I'm saying I think it's not so – it's not good for us to move past – why is it that people are even talking about these tools, right. these, these critical ways of, of undoing things that are baked into our society? Right. What is the context around that? Again, in, when you're looking at somebody who's, who's like, like Karl Marx, who was looking at, a, at, his, at his neighbors and his mother and his father, and in, or excuse me, his friends and family and everyone around him is stuck in this system where they, they, they are living in their own excrement they're in a place where they that where children are being worked to the to their to to death, right. and there's no one that we can call on to save us from this. There's no one that can come in and intervene. Mm -hmm. We don't. We can't just say, you know what? Like I was in Liberia, and and we were in the jungle, and our brakes broke, and we went to this mechanic, and the mechanic said it's going to be this much money, and I was like, we're not paying that much money to get these brakes fixed. We'll go somewhere else. And my translator said, hey. There is there, nowhere else. Well, you won't. Right. You ain't going nowhere. You're going to pay what they ask. Right. And so and you don't have a choice. So the mechanic sets the system. That's the system right. actually has you have to pay $100,000 right. to get these brakes fixed. Or because you ain't going home. Right. Do you you want to go back home or not? Right. So in, in, in those situations. <laughs> go ahead. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Uh, I was say, as a matter of fact, they, 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 um, Great Britain, England, they, they shut down the common lands. Right. So yeah, that uh -huh. people couldn't farm on them or collect wood or anything. Yeah. So, so that they were all do? driven into the city. So if yeah. they wanted to eat, they had an option. That's one right. option. Right. That's right. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And I think that's similar to exactly. what, 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 what Bradley is getting at. And I mean, you alluded to this as well, is that the context in which this tool emerged is where our emphasis should be. Right. So if you don't want to use CRT, well, tell me what are we going to do? I'm not saying that we need to use CRT. I'm just saying that we don't feel the burden of doing something about the fact that basically the laws in a lot of ways have been a cover to continue injustice. Instead of correcting the problem, it has only provided cover for the problem to continue. It's like, like somebody coming to me, coming to a doctor and saying, hey, I don't want to be blind. I'm, I'm blind. Can you help me? And he says, no problem. I'm going to fix this. So then he does surgery on his eyes. The dude wakes up from the surgery and unwraps the, his, his head and, and he still can't see. Then he's like, yo, yo, I can't see anything. He said, but no, no, but you're not blind anymore, though, bro. Don't worry about it. I fixed it. I corrected the problem. I gave you, I gave you a certificate of non-blindness. That's right. 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 Exactly. Did you not see the paperwork my nurse handed to you? You are not blind, but I can't see. Listen, I don't mind being blind if I can see. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> the, the, the fact that what I'm going after is being able to see. Right. Not a status change. Mm -hmm. I want a life change. Yeah. And, and if that is not being facilitated... If the society is failing, which we shouldn't be surprised by, right? Shouldn't be surprised by a, a, a society that's hostile to the kingdom of God right, and, right. and is in the darkness and runs from the light, lest their deeds be exposed. We shouldn't be surprised that they would be, as Romans that says, good at inventing new ways to get around righteousness. Right. right. So all I'm saying is, uh, setting that aside, excuse my two rabbit trails. How do we weigh? <laughs> 
the goodness or the badness of critical race theory. Is it good? Is it bad? Is it both? Is it that? Is that the wrong question? Well, coming into it, you know, I have a hard time the the sort of totalizing of critical race theory to begin with. I mean, for for more than one reason. Uh, for example, I've spoken with Kimberly Crenshaw, and she says she cannot understand why Christians think they're attacking Christianity or how it could possibly be inconsistent with Christianity. She doesn't didn't Jesus want to care for the poor and the oppressed and like in critical race theorists own mind that I've talked to, they, they can't, they can't capture like what, how could Christianity be used against this when the very thing we think we're doing is trying to help the same people Jesus was trying to help. Mm, right. Right. So Dang. It's, it's almost hard to explain the evangelical perspective right. to someone who's just working within the, uh, you know, the legal theory tradition. They did What are you talking about? Yeah. So, like yeah. takes time to explain <laughs> how these thoughts got into our white evangelical heads. <laughs> it really does. So, so there's that, which makes it increasingly hard to, to, to totalize it as a worldview or anything of that sort. Nobody intended that. It, it just doesn't even make sense. They're not saying anything about, you know, huge swaths of academia they're not even talking about or interested in. Sure, you know, races affects all of these things and they talk about it in that regard, but the idea of it being a totalized worldview, I think, is absurd. Got you. Um, second totalizing problem is that critical race theorists don't even agree with each other on everything. <laughs> yeah, right. That's right? a very good point. There's yeah. not like some school of thought. When I write a list of quote unquote tenants, I call them commonplaces because they're just common possible points of agreement and topics that are included. Right. Yeah. Right. Because, because uh, as Crenshaw herself has pointed out, the whole, the whole point of the theory is that it needs to be adaptable. It can't mm. get calcified into dealing with one problem, right? right? right. It's, it's, a, it's an approach to problems as they come, right. to think about them, to think about them in community, think about them intersectionally, whatever else. So then there, there's that problem with totalizing that I, I don't think it can be totalized. And then the third one is, it's just straight weird. The critical race theory has to be accepted as some sort of complete package or it's evil. Right. Do we right. talk that way about anything else? Like, I don't understand that at all. Man, you're saying that the claim is unless the entirety of critical race theory is good, all of it is bad, or essentially, you know, what would be the, 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 the reverse of that is basically if some of it is good, but there are other parts that, of it that is that 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 are not good. The All whole thing must be rejected. That that line right. of thinking is what you're saying doesn't make any sense because we can't really do that anywhere else. And we don't do that anywhere else. I have else. to leave America quick if that's the case. Go ahead. Right. Yeah, we just absolutely don't. I mean, and, and then the last point I would make is that I think that what we're running up against is, and and I can speak from experience, right, for uh -huh. myself, is that. We've taken, like you were talking about earlier, I mean, how it developed in the churches, right? And how, you know, racialized minorities in the churches are now saying things that maybe they just didn't tell other white people right. back, you know, before, for whatever reason, whether it's because they didn't really want to broach the subject, right? Which is often the case. Uh -huh. You don't want to, you know, stir anything up or, you know, whatever. There's a lot of different reasons why I think those conversations didn't come yes. up and then, yeah. Right. necessarily had to come up <laughs> right. at a certain point. And then, 
And then, but what was being said, I would argue, was not running up against anyone's theological understanding. It was running up against their own man-made social philosophy that they've inherited in American society. Right. Right? So something that is a social philosophy versus another social philosophy gets reinterpreted as a theological conflict. Okay? So... So you're you're in your church and you say something about Trayvon, like, you know, I would point out that guy, you know, straight murdered Trayvon. Whoa, how do you know that? Well, I mean, you can just because in the court case, they wouldn't allow race to be discussed, which they didn't. That was <laughs> right. a decision made by the judge. But you can you can look at the neighborhood. You can look at the neighborhood dynamics, what had happened there in the past. You know, the history of segregation in that very area, you know, neighborhood watches across America. What's their purpose? What's their meaning? Mm. There's there's so much in there. You start to point that out. That's like how that gets interpreted that you're like walking away from Jesus now. I don't even understand that. Yeah, because I think what the reaction is, is that for me, I'll say as me, a white American male middle class my whole life. OK, I have an understanding of this world. And, and I, and I have a, an understanding of how economics should work, of who's deserving, who isn't deserving based upon merit and their actions mm-hmm. that um, I have a certain idea of what the civil rights movement meant. I, I including that you shouldn't allow color to count for anything. Mm. Don't even bring it up. Try not to even <laughs> notice that anyone yes. is a different color. Right. right. So here, I have this whole worldview if there is one, that's the worldview, right? Mm, right. Um, but I still wouldn't call it that. It's too slow. Right, right. So I have a social philosophy that I've inherited from yeah. my environment, from my upbringing, and the way that I understand things. And it's so close to my heart that it seems natural, normal, common sense. How could anyone disagree? Wow, wow. Right? Wow. And then folded into this is my understanding of God and Jesus and the Bible and theology. And, and they're they're all kind of blended together in how I approach my world. Right. Now, when someone from a different perspective with a different social philosophy then questions it, pokes it, right, then that that causes an upheaval. I either got to push them as far away from me as possible because they're going to break down my self-identity mm. if they push too hard, mm. right? Or or I got to like re-question some things. I got to kind of start over and, and separate some things. And I think that... That in that process, what happens is two social philosophies are colliding and they get interpreted as somebody questioning either the natural order of things or the theological order of things. Mm, When really they're just questioning the man-made contingent historical social philosophy that you've received from your own upbringing. Right. Right. If we can begin to sort of separate that out and say, you know what? I'm going to think about this and I'm going to go to the Bible. Is there really anything in the Bible that disagrees with that? Or, or did I get this because I've been, you know, listening to talk radio for the last 20 years, you know, yeah, we're going to have to make those distinctions. And then to your point, how do you determine what's bad about critical race theory? Like anything else, right. (laughs) Through applying the principles of scripture. Right. And you don't have to freak out. Right. Okay. Just like, just Imagine like anything that. else, well, you know, you study economics and, and maybe the, the, the best and most just distribution of goods and services is just all out social Darwinism. OK, mm. <laughs> but I think there's some things in my Bible that suggest that maybe 
that can't be the whole of it, that there's sure. got to be something wrong there. <laughs> right, we do yes. have to have redistributive systems for the poor, things yeah. like that, right. even if it's at an individual level. And so then when I see that in my Bible, then do I say, okay, I'm a socialist now. No more capitalism. Mm. Right. No. Well, why in this case does it have to be totalized then? Why, why is your social philosophy now representative of your identity, your theology, everything to do with you to where you're going to stake your claim against all opponents? Yeah. Yeah, I think it's – man, That's good, I'm Bradley. so glad that you said that, Bradley. You put it together so well because it, I used to always say to people – this is actually not really a discussion about theology per se. Like, it's not a discussion about who's walking away from the faith and, and who's not. Because if we, if, if I think about it like this, if I'm on a panel discussion and we're talking about uh, Trayvon Martin, right? And somebody says, mm -hmm. it, it is what happened to Trayvon Martin an injustice or is it not? Or is what happened to George Floyd an injustice that includes racism or is it not? And I'm up here with a bunch of theologians. None of us are going to actually open this to see if that is true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I can't yeah. go to the Bible to see if why Trayvon Martin and George Floyd and Mike Brown was killed yeah. was because of racism. Yeah. The Bible is not going to tell me that. Right. I have to. I have to right. actually do the work of looking at data, history, the facts of the like. I have to do all of this work to get to that answer. But they, it feels like it feels like evangelicals make this a theological debate. Like it's this is a theological discussion, right. and it's like I'm like always like this you know that this is not really a discussion of theology we actually kind of maybe we have some diversion in some places but we actually kind of agree theo theologically that's right. what you guys try to say to us you guys try to say to us of course we agree that racism is wrong you guys keep saying that we don't agree that racism so it's like okay you agree that racism is wrong and i agree that racism is wrong we got that so this is right. a, this is not a you agree that racism is partiality i agree that racism is partiality so it's not a theology issue what we're trying to figure out is what are we interpreting in society as actual partiality then? right 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 right, right. and then when right. we start saying yeah. hey this policing is partiality they start saying no it's not really it doesn't really have anything to do with partiality or racism it's because of this now we're discussing discussing social philosophy like you said but then what they yeah. do is they say yeah. well because your so the social philosophy that you have kind of has intersection with other uh people that are non-christian or yeah who do who, who are non-christian that means now that your social philosophy is a th is a threat to orthodoxy it's it's, it's like a weird like it's like it is what what yeah. are you what are you it's they, even weirder than when they go on and they quote atheists to support well, their position you took the words right out my mouth the guy that's that's leading the conversation i was i almost fell out my seat when i saw albert moeller had uh james Lindsay on on yes. on his show i'm like what what What's going on right what now? What is happening? What, <laughs> what is happening is you guys, I'm sorry, in my, I'm going to show my cards, what people already know, are exposing that this is a, this is not about truth and this is not about Christianity, who's Christian and who's not, or Christian worldview. It really isn't. This is really about your culture war. Yeah. This is why you can bring James Lindsay in. You guys were the same guys that said, how can you guys have intersection with Marxists like Crenshaw? And, they, and they'll call that. How can you have guys? How can you guys have intersection with BLM who said that they were trained Marxists, which doesn't even really mean that they uh, 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 subscribe to all of Marxism. How can you guys have all these intersections with these people that 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 subscribe to these ungodly worldviews or have these ungodly these positions that are unbiblical right. and you criticized yeah. us for that and you use that as a reason to why what we're saying is illegitimate but then you guys turn right. around and go get the atheists right
and then you use his right. his his uh, arguments, and you do the exact same thing. Because you guys, exactly. this is not about you guys are you guys are willing to be co-belligerent with whoever is going to carry your side of the culture war narrative, right? And and and, and now right. it's not even now you guys are showing that this is not even really about truth. This is not about theology. This is this is not about any of that. It's about a culture war narrative, and it's and 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 our social philosophies that have been shaped by what we have been raised in, what we've listened to, and 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 yeah. who who we've listened to, right? I've I've been listening to Rush Limbaugh for fifteen years. Then I then. My, my social philosophy is going to look a little bit it's going to a little bit look different than me and KB who come from a a, a, a community in Southside St. Pete where we don't even listen to freaking Rush Limbaugh. You know what I'm right, saying? Right, right. And so I yep. so I yeah. But go ahead. I'm sorry. It's a commitment to a, a, a tradition, a social philosophy that you know is spawned by colonialism and exploitation and right. and uh, uh, the idea of of a Western liberalism that functions more as the justification for the situation that as it is rather than a means to changing anything right i mean in essence i think that the, the predominant social philosophy for a white middle class male like myself is what legitimizes the current distribution of power and resources mm. right right that's what i hold to <laughs> right 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 yeah right. well work hard and you'll make it that's the only rule that's it yeah okay yeah. and, and, and what does that do doesn't do anything except for justify why I have what I have and why other people don't. Yeah. Right. That's a social philosophy. That's not a, that's not theology. Yeah, you're right. That's not a theology. It's definitely a social philosophy. And what it feels like to me is it feels like certain, some of my white brothers and sisters in Christ are scared to consider what it might mean if critical race, if what critical race theorists, are, I, I hate even tying it back to critical race theory. If what people said in, in the civil rights movement mm. is true about right. whiteness and about how r systemic and institutional racism works within the nation, which it works in the exact right. same way right now as yeah. it was back then, it just yeah. looks a bit different, right? Um, because right. we're getting the same arguments, right? That Bell was getting, hey, uh, Things are now that the Civil Rights Act is passed, the Voting Rights Act is passed, Brown versus Board of Education is passed. Everything's equal. Everything is good. Now we're on a we're operating by a pure meritocracy now, right? Yep. And there and, and 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 so uh, there's no more problems, yeah. right? And and so it feels like what it for me it, it feels like some of my white brothers and sisters in Christ are fearful of what it might mean if the right. what critical race theory theorists are actually uh, excavating. In regard, which was said before they existed, right? About whiteness yep. and the construct of whiteness, about how systemic and institutional racism work, about how white supremacy works. It feels like they yep. are in fear that if it is true, then what is going to happen is that my whole world view. It's like you said, it's kind of sloppy to call it a worldview, but it, but my whole social philosophy is going to crumble and then I'm going to have an identity crisis. It reminds me exactly. of what certain people were going through when they started coming to believe God's sovereignty in the context of how it was framed in reformed theology. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like now that if I believe that election is true, then this turns my world upside down. It right, kind of right. turns my world of what I of how I thought people came to know Jesus, right, how right. I thought who right. I thought God was, yeah, yeah. how I thought God operated. It turns it up. I remember one day talking to a sister when we were in like the thick of you know the reformed theology debate. Yeah. And and we were talking to her just about like, you know, you know, reformed theology and Calvinism. And she was like, I remember she broke down crying and she was like, 
this kind of turns my world upside down of everything I thought I knew about God and, and us right. and free will and everything right. like that. And it, and it caused this like breaking of like this identity right. to reveal a new, like a, like maybe like a, 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 depending on where you land theologically, the truth. Yeah. Right. And I feel like there are some of my white brothers and sisters in Christ that that's what they fear. If I believe this is true, right. then everything I thought I knew about myself, everything I thought I knew about the world, everything yeah. I thought I knew about economics. Certainly what I thought about black people. Certainly what I thought about, <laughs> I, I thought I knew about black people, what I thought I knew about hard work, what I thought about, I, uh, I thought I knew about education, uh, economics, opportunity, opportunity yep. meritocracy, yep. Yep. all of it is now in question. And this wow, is causing a I mean. mental break in me that yeah. I don't want to actually right. go to. It's dissonance. So, it's, 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 so now I am employing a kind of cognitive dissonance that just says that can't be true. Right. That, that, right. There, there, there's no way that that, that that can be true. It reminds me of, you saw the interview with Mark Lamont Hill when he asked the guy, do you consider yourself white? And he was like, uh, 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 well, I consider myself Italian. And it's like, no, you don't. Because if you look at how you were already framing this, you consider that there's white and black. But now you have to, this is going to start rubbing up against what things mean for you. Right, right, right. And it feels yeah. like to me, even white, even my white evangelical brothers and sisters in Christ are scared of what this could mean if it is true. Right, right. What does that mean about me? What does that mean about the world? What does that mean about politics? Yeah. What does that mean? Does that mean it, it, now it makes me think that I have everything wrong and it, maybe I might even start questioning Christianity, which doesn't necessarily mean you will. Sure, sure. But I feel like they right. are scared of it. Like you, because you said earlier, for my own mental health, I just couldn't go there. Right. And right. I feel like, yeah. I feel like that is kind of a, 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 a big part of what's driving this is that this is what I've always believed, not just about the world, but about myself. And can I say something to that as well? Uh, yeah, I, go ahead. I think that there's probably something uh, something noble about not wanting to spend all your days and nights thinking of yourself through your skin color. Right. But the fact of the matter is, I don't know a single day that has gone by <laughs> in my life where I have not thought about the fact that I was black. Right. Like, that's just been That's one my, of the privileges of not being black, though. Yeah, like, and, and honestly, I yeah. envy it, bro. I, I, I wish that I never had to factor in what my blackness may do to, to complicate a situation. Right. I think about what mm -hmm. my blackness may do when I get to, to the hotel. We, we've already talked about this right. before, how I send my, the, my white employee in to talk to talk to the folks at the front counter or or we may not get the car rented to us or, right. or or we may not we may have to sit and wait there's they've done these studies about um there's this the study the study in Australia looking at at um bus drivers and who they would give free passes to 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 uh, customers who didn't have fare for right. the um right. for the ride and the the they found that the generosity always swung away from black folks right. and it always went towards those who were uh, ca Caucasian. Right. So when when you think about your life and factoring it in, when I have a big business meeting that's that that's coming up, I I sometimes have to say I hope they don't see something weird in my dreadlocks or that when I walk in that that they they're not nervous or or something. These are the right. kind of things that we're processing. Yeah. Right. Because that's been our experience. We've had opportunities ripped from us. Right. Uh, Christian stages we weren't allowed to get on because I didn't want to put some something that looked like an angry black man on stage. I'm going to rap a song about Jesus. I'm not going to talk about race at all. Right. I'm just going to sing how great thou art. Yeah. <laughs> but the fact that yours is coming out of your mouth. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? I had a, um, I had uh, a guy who runs a big portion of Christian radio. He had, he got, he had to give me a ride somewhere and he said, man, I'm going to tell you something. And if you repeat that, I said this, I, I'm telling you right now, I'm going to deny I said it. That's what he said to me. <laughs> he said, I said, you did not hear this from me. 
He says, the reason why we do not play, because we started talking about this, uh-huh. the reason that we do not really play black music is because our audience doesn't want to hear black artists. They don't. They don't want to hear that, especially rap and stuff like that. I did a song for King and Country where I did a, I didn't rap, bro. I did a poem on the song, a poem. And radio stations were asking for King and Country to pull my part off so they can play the song. Oh, no, you didn't. That he, and, and I'm telling you, I'm sitting here in the car with this dude, and he literally told me, he said, man, just to be honest with you, sometimes the black, black expressions make our audience uncomfortable. So we don't play it. Yeah. So, and, and what I'm saying is that as I have set with these things, if it's we've sort of experienced these things and have to walk through and live our lives with these realities, it completely mm-hmm. and totally shapes the conversation very differently. Right. Than for those yeah. who are thinking about, you know, keeping intact there, you know, I, I don't got to, I, I never think about me being white. I don't think about me, you know, whiteness or anything like that. I know you're not yes, thinking I'm about it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's just, but, 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 but I, I have cried not wanting to think about it because uh, last thing I'll say, yeah. because it, it's, it's stressful, bro. The, the, the one, the one concern that a lot of folks have about this conversation is that we're going to make black people feel like they are victims and that they're going to become victims and, 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 and rely on the state it's ridiculous. to become welfare ba- babies and stuff like that. I mean, and I was just talking about how I have never seen that in my community, bro. Yes. I have, I have in my I, growing up, in the black community, I have seen people talk about injustice right. and the obstacles that they get because of their social location right. in this country and the need for us to take responsibility right. side by side. Self, I've yeah. only heard that. I have never, the only people I hear uh, choosing one or the other is white liberals. White liberals are the only right. folks that I hear saying these poor, you know, uh, you know, uneducated, you know, mongrel of, of, of people that we need to, to, to do something or, yeah. or, 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 they'll, or they won't be helped. They're not to be helped at all. Right. Right. I have always been taught bootstrapping next to systemic injustice. I always. Yeah. I have not heard anything otherwise. I've never that. heard my mom say, hey. You, you, you need to go and get your education and stuff, but you know but it's probably not going to really do anything not for you, you anywhere because the white man. Like got, I, yeah. I have never heard that. I've it's always heard you are a black man. You're going to be facing obstacles in society, but get your education, work hard. You I've can ne- overcome. You can overcome this. It's always been. That's why we will overcome. That's the message. <laughs> is that we what we will overcome? It, what we will overcome is the injustices that are. That they won't stop us. They right. won't hold us back right. from finding success. That does not mean that the injustices don't exist. And I'm tired of people making it one or the other. You're either yes. a victim or you're not. Yes. And if you're talking about injustices, you're a victim. And, 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 and if you're not victim, then you don't talk about injustices. Which you're, It's not really not me not talking about. It's me ignoring it. That's right. And that's what I've heard from black people that say, oh, well, you may think about your race, but I don't. It's really mostly because you're ignoring facts, it. Facts, it's facts. not because you're not forced to. Yeah, it's it because it just it, doesn't it, bother you. Sure, and, yeah. and, and let me just say this. The, the one thing that I think is valid about the way that this always carrying around this racial baggage, uh-huh. which I understand. I even hear some of my, 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 my white brothers and sisters now looking at me, so some, not all, but right. some saying like, well, just don't carry the baggage around. <laughs> well, the, the, the fact of the matter is, if I could just empty the bag, it would have been emptied decades ago. Why would ago. we do this to ourselves? Exactly. You think I like going to Publix 
And then as I'm getting my my uh, I'm, I'm checking out my uh, my groceries and the the cat the lady at the uh, cash register won't look me in my eyes. You don't you think that I like thinking that well, I wonder if this has something to do with I'm being being black? It may not. Right. But I'm being tormented by. It. You think when I'm jogging and I see a, a white couple walking in front of me and they go to the other side of the road? <laughs> Do you think that me thinking that I wonder if they did that because I was black feels good to me? Yeah. They might have just had to go to the other side of the road. I don't know. But the fact of the matter is I've been in those situations when it was made clear to me that it was because I was black. Right, right. And and, and I carry around this sort of, this this tension. And the more Mm -hmm. you study, the more you read, the more you're aware. There's more studies come out, like the study that came out last August, Uh that showed that that black babies are three times more likely to die in infancy if their physician is white. Right. And, in, in, and they adjusted for all of the variants and found that the only difference was because they obviously the, can't blame the baby Roman, in that case. Romans 9, before the baby did anything good or bad. <laughs> right? So you can't blame their, their behavior. The only difference was the race of the doctor. Right. When, when we, when the more, this is what Solomon says in Ecclesiastes, the more you lean into the stuff, the more you increase the, in sorrow. Yeah, the more knowledge you have, the more you increase in sorrow. Yes. So anyways, for us, yeah. what we in some ways are doing is inviting our brothers and sisters who are outside of our context, but we're inviting you to the table that we've been sitting at for a long time. Right. And if more folks would join the table, by God's grace, it would be actually good for the society at whole. Bradley, we're going to give you the last word, brother, mm-hmm. and then we're going to wrap up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just to, to wrap up, uh, that was fantastic. <laughs> Everything you just said is very, very helpful because I'll, I'll say from, from uh, the white male perspective, it's we're just normal. Right. Right. And what, like you said before, with the music, black expressions, that, that's different. Wow. We're normal. That's right, different. Right, 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 right. Do you see what I'm saying? Like right. that, that's, deep, that, bro. that's the way it's approached. And then, and then why I think this discussion is so important, even relative to critical race theory is that from my, from our perspective, it's two pronged. I also am not going to do anything about it because that would be racist. Mm. Right. Okay, so I'm both going to recognize and de-recognize race to make it work out for me on both ends. Oh, what a point. You know? Right. And and I think it I think it is that bad. And I think it should be confronted as that bad. And that's why I think it's important to dive into any possible source of understanding how we got here, why we're here, what it means to make sense of it, to try and start making some changes. And obviously this is done from a biblical perspective. We know that greed is evil. We know that avarice is evil. We know that exploitation is evil. We know that oppression is evil. We we have the principles from the scripture in place. What the scripture doesn't give us is the meaning of race and racial history and Mm -hmm. what laws were passed and none none of that. We have to study both to get the package, right? Because, and, and, and a lot of this has to come from a point where just as Christians, as believers, with the Holy Spirit working in our hearts, that we develop a conviction to actually want to change things, to care, to reach out, to lay down some of my own uh, social philosophical barriers that protect me, right? In order to move out and do the things that Jesus has told us to do from the beginning. Amen. Amen. I think it, it may be that simple, but it's also that supremely hard at the same time. Amen. That's good. Man, this has been Southside Rabbi with this fantastic fantastic, insightful oh, yes. um, conversation uh, with Dr. Bradley <laughs> Mason. 
Um, man, we love y'all more than you know. Thank you all for, for your support. One more shout out to our sponsor, CSB, um, and, uh, and to all our patrons out there. If you have not liked and subscribed to our channel, please do and make sure you tell a friend. This is Southside Rabbi. I'm KB. I'm Amin the Dream. We out. We are out. <laughs> <laughs>